In opening this morning, and as we start talking, I want you to envision something. Maybe you've heard this term, this, this title, the seven wonders of the world. Have you ever seen one of these great wonders of the world? Have you ever l- researched them? Have you ever gone to one of them? You know, the seven great sites or wonders, such as, to name a few, the Great Wall of China, Machu Picchu in Peru, the Great Colosseum of Rome in Taj Mahal, and this just names a few. People travel the world looking at these great, great wonders. Or maybe there's other wonders or great sites which you've traveled to, and you, as you stand in front of them, as you take it all in, the whole experience, you're just in awe of the wonder that it is. Now, depending on what the wonder is, some might find these wonders to be great wonders, awe-inspiring, as you think about the mysterious histories surrounding them, or quite possibly due to the very engineering masterpieces of which they are. Or maybe it's awe-inspiring as you think of both of these, and you think of the historical context of which, of which they were built in or around. I want you to imagine yourself, maybe you've been to one of these wonders or a wonder or a great site. Maybe you vacation there or maybe you dream of going to the great Colosseum of Rome. I don't see Tim. He's in here somewhere. Kathy, did you, have you seen the great Colosseum? Was it all inspiring to see how gigantic it is and to think of what went on around here? These are all inspiring things. I want you to envision yourself, like Kathy got to go to these things. I want you to envision yourself going to these places and thinking about how amazing, how great of a wonder it is. I got to go to Machu Picchu when I was on a mission trip in South America and Peru. And I remember being there with friends and just taking it all in and thinking how amazing it is. But here's the amazing part to me was to think about how somebody built such a, such an amazing thing in the middle of the jungle, in the middle of the forest, and not just that, but at thousands and thousands of feet high in the top of the Andes Mountains. These things were great, great, archi- great engineering masterpieces for their time, and even today. As we talked a little bit earlier, we're having a pavilion meeting on April 30th, and as we think through the pavilion and where it's going to be built, we're thinking through, okay, now where's the easiest place to build this that doesn't require taking out too much dirt or doing this or that or flattening land, excavating? These things were built on top of mountains. But here's the thing, no matter how great of wonders these things are, there's nothing as wonderful, nothing as filled with wonder as God. You see, this great wonder in God was not created. It's from the beginning and before the beginning. And humankind tries to speak of this great wonder of God, but we can only begin to imagine in who God truly is, or we can only begin to understand. He is truly the wonder which all people should be in awe of. Yes, we can be in awe of things of this world, but let's look to God because he's the only one that truly brings life to us all. And he's the only one which brings understanding to us all. He's unlike any other wonder of the world. He has no creator, no beginning, no end. There are mysteries surrounding him, just like some of these other great wonders of the world, but his mysteries are revealed to us 
through Jesus and through his Holy Spirit, bring understanding and through the word of God. And to add to this great wonder, unlike any other wonder which doesn't have, have characteristics of our great God, he loves us. God loves us with a perfect love, all of us. We're going to spend some time looking to the attributes of God. We're going to spend some time looking to the wonder of God. And we're going to be starting today with talking about God is love. Now, before we get into this, I want you to understand there are two different types, largely, of attributes. There's the the communicable attributes and the non-communicable attributes. Now, the communicable attributes, boy, say that uh, 10 times fast, that is the type of attributes which we, to at least some extent, should be striving to live by and learn from God how to live by. These attributes could be such as God's love, God's wisdom, God's goodness, God's holiness. We can at least strive to have to some degree that in our lives. Never to the fullness of what God has, for he is perfect and flawless in all of these. And we'll look to that with love today. The non-communicable attributes are those which we can only, only, only basically understand and we can never truly have. And that would be attributes such as God's omniscience, his all-knowingness, his omnipresence, how he can be everywhere and in all things at all times, his omnipotence, his power, and his sovereignty to be fully in control of all things and for his will, for his purpose. These are the things we'll be looking to, or at least a few. Today, we're considering his love. We're considering how should we live in love considering God's love? Specifically, what is love? How do we love? Who do we love? You see, when considering these questions, we must first look to God and his word. God is the source of love. And therefore, when considering how are we to love, who are we to love, what is love, we must first look to him and to his example in scripture. Love is a topic which the world is fascinated with. There's many songs wrote, there's many poems wrote, there's many dramas wrote and movies wrote, there's many things that speak about love. But for us as Christians, we know love to be at the beginning. We know that God showed his great love, his divine love at creation when he created us in his image with the capacity and the desire to have relationship with him. God showed his love in creation. God showed his love in creating us. God showed his love in walking in the garden with Adam and Eve and desiring to be with them. God showed his love throughout history ever since then and in all things to try to keep this relationship, although flawed through our sin. But how are we to love others? Romans 12, 9 tells us in the Bible of love, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. But how do we know what is genuine? I mean, it says, let love be genuine, but how do we know what that truly is? Abhor what is evil. How do we know what is truly evil? Hold fast to what is good. Well, how do we know what good is? How do we know what it means to be properly loving one another? Surely it does not just have to do with love songs, poems, movies, books, and the such. Love is all around us. As one author said, we have experienced love from before we could talk and our lives are shaped by our love from various people and things. 
Is this what defines our love? Is this what we look to? No, we look to God for God is the source of love. He is the creator of love. He is the very essence of what love is. And he is who we mimic with our life. So let's look to what 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 21 says of love. Please look in your Bibles before you. I do not have it on the screen today. If you need to open up a black pew Bible in front of you, I've even done the work, looked it up, page 961, 961 this morning. And as you open, I will get started. 1 John 4, 7 to 21 says this of love, and specifically as we look to God is love, and we look to what does this mean? It says, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 9 now of 1 John 4, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, comma, comma. It's important to read this properly to see how is this love manifested? God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, beloved, I love how he wrote here, writes here, beloved. He's speaking to brothers, to sisters in Christ, to people who he greatly cares to hear this message and to understand what this love truly means to us. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And by this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is so, also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, before we get to the main point, the main idea, the three points here, I want to point out something here that I did not point out in my notes. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. As I read this, I think about my daughter, Felicity, my youngest. Sorry, Alexa, Lana, wherever you are, Colton. But I think of Felicity right now. I think of a young child, especially a baby, as they don't know what's going on around them. There's so many things they can fear that can be afraid of. But if you notice how when they're in the mother's arms, dad's sometimes yours as well, but a lot the mother's, 
They do not fear. They can be in the most terrifying of circumstances, the most terrifying of noises around them, and yet they do not fear the moment they're placed in mom's arms. I think about the baby being delivered at birth, and that baby's crying, or hopefully crying when they come out. What is going on? And then that baby gets placed in the mother's arms, the father's arms. They feel that love which has comforted them and cared for them for nine months. And all of a sudden, those tears go away. They do not fear. Well, the same is true when we feel, when we recognize, when we understand the love of God. God is love. He is love. Love comes from him. We are created in his image and have been made in and through him. And therefore, Live not according to the ways of the world, but in his ways, his ways of love. Ephesians 4.1 tells us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have been called. What is our calling? What does it mean to love? Who are we to love? We look to God. This is a manner worthy of our calling to walk. Walk in love. 1 John 4 instructs us regarding this to love one another. And to learn how to do this best, don't look to movies, don't look to books, don't look to poems who are so wrong. I mean, they might get some things right, especially some of them Hallmark movies, right, ladies? I didn't say guys because you probably wouldn't admit it like me. God gives us the right idea of what love is. One source, one source gives us a true picture of what love is, and that's God. Let's look to God this morning. Point one about what is love. And as we think about God's attribute of love is this. Point one, God's love is sacrificial. And sacrificial love means giving even when it may not be given back to you. We see this in the scripture this morning. Sacrificial love means giving even when it may not be given back to you. C.S. Lewis once stated, I saw this quote this week out there on that wonderful source of true facts, Facebook. C.S. Lewis once stated, love is never wasted for its value does not rest upon reciprocity. God's love truly was not wasted for he gave it freely, gracefully, by faith to us. Yet while we were still sinners, even when we were not reciprocal, even when we weren't giving it, God loves sacrificially even when love is not being shown to him. Even when the love given is not deserved, he gives it. Romans 5, 8 says, God shows his love for us in that yet while we are still sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. His children, humankind, were not showing him love, but instead were sinning against him like enemies, and yet he still loves. Christ still loves Even today, Christ still loves. Even today, Christ still bestows great love upon humanity in our sinfulness. He's still there waiting for us to turn to him. 1 John 4, 9 tells us that in seeing God sending his only son, Jesus, we see God's love manifested. I love that word, manifested. His love was manifested in Jesus Christ as he came to be the propitiation for our sins God gave up something of great and unquestionable value to demonstrate his love for us, which begs us to ask ourselves, what are we willing to give up of great and unquestionable value 
to demonstrate love as God shows love. Add to this idea, how might this sacrificial loving action be pointed back, though, not at ourselves, but for God, for his glory? Because we do give loving actions to people, and sometimes I'd even say it is sacrificial as it takes a good part of our pocketbook or a good part of our energy, a good part of sacrificing of our time. The teens and some adults sacrificed a great deal of time yesterday. Uh, cleaning up North Park, taking the Christmas lights down. And I, as a dad of a young one that's super excited to be learning what a playground is after such a long winter, we're greatly appreciative of this. But how often do we do these things looking for our own glory, not for God? We want to hear that thank you. We want to hear, we want to see that serve bloomer video with thank you, Pastor Chuck, for putting together while he's at home sick. He still put together that video and sent it to us. We must do this for God, for his love. That is our very, for his glory, that's our very purpose of being created is to glorify him and all things should do that. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 instructs us whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. What might we do today to make that happen? How might we show a sacrificial love and a love for God's glory today? Jesus reminds us further of how willing God is to sacrificially show love for another in his parable of the sheep. And one author reminds us of this love saying this. I like this quote. He says, the shepherd leaves the 99 sheep and goes to seek the missing one. Even though nothing in the description indicates anything especially attractive or desirable about it. God loves them all. God cares for them all. Sacrificially, he was willing to leave the 99 in search of that one. Maybe that one was, was the sacrificial lamb. We don't know. Maybe that one was, was blemishless. We don't know. But maybe that one was already walking with a limp. Maybe it wasn't even white as snow. Maybe it, it had lots of problems. I mean, it did go astray from the 99. I mean, maybe it was the dumbest one and didn't know to follow the 99 or to follow its master. But God still, went, God still gives this great example of the shepherd going after it. That's sacrificial love. God shows us that you must be willing to sacrifice to show his type of love. God is willing to sacrificially give up Jesus to show us love. God's love is great and a wonderful thing. As one stated, God's love is an unselfish interest in us for our sake. Let me say that again as I didn't put that up. God's love is an unselfish interest in us for our sake. For our sake. We'll speak of this in a little bit. Jesus further illustrates this love of God and the sacrificial love of Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well. This was sacrificial because, one, it was not permissible for a man to speak to a woman in public in this way at this time. And secondly, he was a Jew and this woman was a Samaritan. Men, Samaritan men and uh, I'm sorry, Samaritan women and a Jew man would not be seen speaking to each other in this way. And yet Jesus was, did not care about the ridicule of man. He was willing to sacrifice his, his viewpoint by them to show her the love that she needed, the true source of life. 
Point two, let's move forward. We must do the same, though. See that. Show sacrificial love. Point two, God's love transcends oneself. God's love transcends oneself. I want to say that once more because, well, you're seeing a moment. God's love transcends one's self. You see, love should not just be for ourselves, but for others. It should transcend from us to all around us. And here's why I say this. It has become exceedingly popular today to encourage people, no matter what, love oneself. Love yourself. Have self-care. Or maybe you hear people say, watch out for number one. Watch out for number one. And this is a good thing. Hear me say that. This is very important for how can you care for others if you're not caring for yourself? There is a balance to be, to be had here, but I think far too often we focus so much on ourselves that we fail to then transcend beyond ourselves to love others. Or oh, we spend so much time, so much energy, so much money, so much of everything on ourselves that what do we have left to show love for God and to our neighbors, to others? There is a balance. We need to love in both ways. We must remember that as Jesus said in his response to the greatest commandment, Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. So yes, love yourself. But don't forget to love God That's the greatest commandment, love God. And then the second, which is like it, there's a separation there. God, others, as yourself. This means allowing your love to be like God's love, of which is both sacrificial and transcends from oneself to others, focusing outside of yourself. So consider this today. How might you show sacrificial love today, this week, to someone besides you? I hope in that pause, that silence, you're really thinking about that. What am I going to do this week for someone else to show them love? And then how are you going to make sure that love points to God, opens up some type of gospel conversation of the good news of Jesus? Point three, you see, we need to focus on other people's needs In all three of these points, I think they naturally flow together to where they could almost seem to be the same thing. But then when you think of how each one has its own characteristics, see, we need to make sure that our love is sacrificial, but not just for us. I can say, I'm going to sacrifice this. Um, I should be working in the woods today, but I'm going to sacrifice that time working in the woods. I don't have any woods. Anybody want to donate me some land? No, I could be working in the woods, but I'm going to sacrifice that time in the woods so I can go give me some me time and go get a massage. See, we can sacrifice time for ourselves, but that's point two. It needs to be transcending to others. Love needs to be to others. But then here's point three, which follows. It's not the same. God's love is beneficial to others. It's not just about what he wants, but what we need. God's love is beneficial to others. It's not just about what he wants, but what we need. Here's what I mean by this. God does not give meaningless gifts, and neither should we. Hear that. God does not give meaningless gifts, and neither should we. Think about men 
Women, you're getting it off today. You're getting it easy today. Men are often accused of being the most shallowest gift givers. We get accused of not putting much thought into things or giving selfish gifts of what we think we want or we need. Well, surely because I need this new St. Croix fishing rod, my dad would love it too. And then maybe my wife would remind me, when was the last time your dad went fishing? But surely everybody needs what we need or what we want at least. I mean, I guess I don't need a St. Croix fishing rod. I've got one. In God's love, we see a beneficial love, but not just a love which benefits him, a love which benefits others, a love which benefits us. He gave freely to us, and we also must have the same type of love, one that doesn't just consider what we want, what we think we need, but what does that other person truly benefit most from? The Apostle John in 1 John 4.10 says here, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he explains this greatly in the scripture and what it means and with great conviction. But he says to love one another. And this means thinking beyond our own wants, our own needs. Do not simply think of love as what we want or need, but instead consider how might you show others love in a way which truly benefits them. Sometimes that means giving up the very things that you want or that you think you need the most. Sometimes it means putting yourself down off the pedestal and trying to understand how in the world could she want this? Because that's the very opposite of anything I would ever want. Sometimes it's not a physical gift which can be bought at all. Sometimes it's your time. Sometimes it's your care. Sometimes it's your service. We see all this in God. I want to bring these three points together. You see, when considering the attribute or the qualities, the characters of God's love in the way that his love is sacrificial, it's transcending, it's beneficial to others, what is the best way that we can show love to one another? And from looking to this scripture as well in 1 John, we show them Jesus. Start with Jesus. That's what God did. We didn't deserve the love. We weren't asking for it. We... we, We didn't even understand it, but God gave it. God gave us Jesus. Show people Jesus. Show them Jesus. This is what they truly need. All people need Jesus, and all people are called to make disciples of Jesus. If you think, well, maybe I shouldn't be spreading or talking about Jesus because all these people, they already know about Jesus. Well, let me ask you, do you think you could learn more about Jesus? Do you think you could get a more intimate, closer relationship, a closer understanding of this Jesus? Yes. Talk about Jesus. Praise God if that person that you talk to about Jesus says, I already know him. Say, great. Well, then let's dig in the scriptures together. Let's worship him together. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 follows this up, two of those famous verses of the Romans road, saying the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a free gift. How much do you value that free gift? Because it benefits you. Not just God, but you. Here is my thought, one backed by scripture and this attribute of God. As we contemplate what it means for us to love one another, do not spend so much time thinking about it that we fail to just do it. 
Do not spend so much time thinking about it that we just fail to do it. Do not get so busy thinking about it that you fail to do it. The world is falling to sin. This is a fact. They need Jesus. Ever since sin entered the world in the beginning at the Garden of Eden, we have been devoted to sinful natures and ways of the flesh which do not glorify God. They glorify ourselves and they glorify Satan. We must periodically just take time to observe the world and see this. St. Augustine once said, in order to discover the character of people, we have only to observe what they love. Observe people, observe what they love, and it will be easy to see. Do they love God? And if not, you should be speaking of him. You should be speaking of him either way. That's actually a convicting statement for even ourselves. In order to discover the character of people, we have only to deserve to observe what they love. If somebody was to sit back and observe your life, would they be able to see that you love God? How would they see it? When would they see it? That's harsh. That's harsh. The people of this world do not all love Jesus. But far too often we act like they do because we don't talk about Jesus enough. People should be able to observe our lives and see Jesus just like we should be able to observe their lives and see that they love Jesus. God is love and he wants to share his love with the world. He wants to show them through us our loving thoughts, our loving speech, our loving actions. And I pray that our entire lives would be a testimony, a story about love, God's love. Just as we see here in 1 John chapter 4. And as we conclude, I have, I believe, three simple points about this. Number one, in closing, how do we, how do we have this same love like God has? One, abide in God and his word. If God is truly the source of original and righteous, perfect, flawless love, how can we begin to understand what love is if we're not abiding in him and his word? We spend a lot of time on those Hallmark movies. Okay, not all of us. We spend a lot of time learning about love from the world's point of view. But the true source of love is God. We need to spend time in his word to truly find out what love is. If we fail to love, we're living against the very command we are meant to follow. If we fail to love, we're living quite plainly put against God's ways, against his purpose, and against his will. We must dwell upon him, dwell in his word. This is how we learn to love. If we truly love God and appreciate his love, we'll want to show this same love to others, just like we've seen. And again, dwelling in his love is how we do this. Seek God, and as Jeremiah 29 reminds God's people, seek God with your whole heart and you will find him. Second, obey God. If you love God, you'll want to obey him, for you should want to please him. And as you obey him in his righteous ways of living, people will see his love. People will see his love. Lastly, we must pray and ask God to help us in living with a God-like love. John 14, 35 tells us, By this all people know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But if I ask for a raising of hands, and if you weren't afraid to raise those hands for people seeing you, I think all of us would raise our hands and say, we struggle to love one another. 
God loves with a flawlessly perfect, righteous love. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus, yet while we were still sinners, that, that's like my life verse to think about the power behind that, that God showed me that love even, even when we were the greatest of his enemies, spitting in his face, mocking him, living against him. Could we do that? Well, with God's strength, with God's help, we can when we remember every single day that we are sinners saved by grace, saved by his love, by his help, by his strength, we can, but we cannot do it alone. We struggle with showing love. I, I, I tell you, we do. I think we all need to raise our hands as we think about what family members have we maybe not shown the love that, that we should. What neighbors, what friends, what coworkers? Because we just think they make our lives miserable and they don't deserve our love. God shows love, even to the worst of these. God shows love. Love with a godlike love, but don't think you can do it alone. Pray and ask God for his help. Ephesians 4.32 tells us to be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That's what we remember God forgave us. God showed us the ultimate example of love through Jesus. God's love is a sacrificial love. It's a transcendent love. And it's beneficial not just for him, but for others. Let's put other needs first. Let's think about what they truly need. And let's start with Jesus. And then when they say, I've got Jesus, say, praise God. Well, then let's talk about him and then move on from there. How else can I help you? How else can I help you? Let's close in prayer and song now. Lord, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your love. We ask that you help us to love others as you love us. Help us to love sacrificially and in a way which is transcending and beneficial to others, not just ourselves. Help us not to be selfish, me-centered, but to be you-centered, God-centered in all we do. And to look to others and see... How can we help them? How can we love them? Help us to show people the gospel, the testimony of love, which we have so greatly benefited from for eternity ourselves. Lord, it can be hard to show love to people as you did. So, Lord, we pray, help us. Help us to put away our judgments, to put away our struggles with people, to put away our frustrations and our thinking of, well, they don't deserve it. And help us to just be led by your love, by your grace, by your mercy to show love to those who need it most. And maybe those, those that need it most are ones we would never think of. Lead us to them. Help us to see with your eyes. Help us to hear with your ears. Help us to have your senses in every day as we think about our lives being a testimony of your love. Lord, help us to love as you love all. And may we start today and never stop. Amen. Thank you.